we're going because well that was a surprise (laughs) well i mean we didn't the leafs did the thing for the first time austin for the first time in 16 years 16 years the leafs won a game one in the series i think first round i don't know if that First time since 2003. That they won. It'd be nice if you had your microphone on, by the way. <sighs> Go ahead. I was taking a drink of water, turned my mic off, left it off. Nobody really needs to hear me anyway. I'm just noise. Um, it was the first time since 2003 that um, they had uh, they had won the first game of the series. That was against Philadelphia. I was writing this in my article. Take a wild guess who scored in that game. I looked up the box score. Who scored for the Leafs? The Leafs. Would you like me to just tell you? No, no, no. Let me, let me figure that out. The okay. Leafs won the game 5-3. I'll give you that. And this was in two, 2003. 2003. Not 2004 when they had Neuendijk in the year before. Okay. But, okay, Neuendijk. Gary Roberts was on the team, but so not Gary, Neuendijk. I, I would say Gary Roberts probably scored one of the goals. No? No, sir. Ooh. Rob, wait, was Robert Reichel on Robert the team? Robert Reichel was on the team. He did not score, though. Yeah, score. It wouldn't have been Leach because Leach was 2004. I'm going to forget one of the goal scorers. Okay, well, you tell me because I am I think I'm just... Uh, one of the goals was scored by Michael Renberg. Oh, good old Michael Renberg with that clapper. Uh, three of the goals for the Leafs were scored by Alexander McGilney. Oh, yeah, because was, was this when Sadine was hurt? Nope, Sadine was in the lineup. Two th- okay, that was I think it was four. when Sadine was playing in between Reichel and Renberg. That's right. And I think Sundin hurt himself the year before. He had and that why idea. am I drawing a blank on the third guy? I wrote it in the thing, and I'm drawing a blank. Anyway, the one goal scorer uh, for the Flyers, they had two defensemen score goals. Um, I believe Eric Weinrich was one of them. And Donald Brashear scored one of the goals for the Flyers that night. It was a long time ago. Wow, yeah. Tell me about it. Doing the research. Um, yeah, I mean, look, it's surprising because, look, many did not give the Leafs a chance in Boston. No. Well. Not even Toronto media was giving the Leafs a chance in Boston. Let's say this. When we made our series predictions a couple days ago, uh, I'm not sure if all of us were on the same thing, but I know what I said. And, I mean, the Leafs needed to take one of two in Boston. They needed to take home We were all on board with that. So that was like we we recorded that in the middle of the night, so I don't remember <laughs> some of it. It was the middle. It was about nine. No, it was by, it by was the, later. By the time we got over Skype issues, it was later than we are recording currently. So I'm not I'm not taking full credit because I know a couple. It was probably both of you guys. So I'm not even gonna. T- I'm not taking credit. Is what I'm getting at. But the Leafs needed to take one of two at least from the Bruins to have a chance to win this series. Is what we were saying. There, there's you know, I look at so many of the other series from especially last year. And how many teams did not fall? How many teams actually won the first game? Yeah. And that be, it was absolutely huge. I mean, look, you look at the playoffs. Um, Columbus winning that game was huge. I mean, you I can tell give, by our reactions. In the I last didn't give podcast. Columbus a chance. That gives them a fighting chance. I mean, I still think Tampa will figure it out. Yeah, it's. I feel, I feel like it's going to kind of be like the Washington series with them last year where exactly. they maybe shocked them in the second game, probably not. But then Tampa Bay starts to slowly get turned back into form, and Tampa Bay is not you, just going to turn you, into a pumpkin for an entire series. you don't series. tell me Tampa, like, Tampa had so much pressure with that game. Especially so like, up 3 nothing, and what was it? Like right early on in the second period, there's a 2-on-0 on Bobrovsky, and he makes a cross-crease pad save. So and then they come back and score Felino. Then they score those three goals. Like the pressure was it. Uh, we've heard it. I think Dangles podcast. They were talking about it. And Tampa fans are not just content right now. They are very worried because well, very even rarely Leafs fans are not content. No, well, it's, it's, it's Leaf fans. Unfortunately, this isn't like the NFL, the NBA, where fans can actually have some joy when their team wins. Yeah, no. In in the NHL, it doesn't happen that way because. 
we've seen far too often that you've won the presidents. Okay, now what? Yeah, it's that, and I feel Lightning fans are on edge because very rarely in the NHL nowadays, with all the parity, do you see the President's Trophy winner actually make it all the way and win the Stanley Cup. Yeah. So I get it. You're on the hot seat. You had one of the best seasons in recent memory. I can't think of a team that's dominated more than the Lightning as much as the Lightning did. I can't either. And I mean... Over the last, like, 10 years? I think the only team that would have come close was the 2012-2013 Blackhawks. 128 points in a season, over 60 wins, and they had the points leader who had as many points as the team did. Nikita Kucherov had a year. Yeah, I mean, that that was a big part of it. Yeah, absolutely. And you have Braden Point came on. Victor Hedman was good. Andre Vasilevsky is going to be a Vesna candidate again. I, everything's there for the Lightning. But anything can happen. It's the playoffs. I look back the 2012-2013 or the 2013 Shorten season. The Blackhawks had 36 wins in 48 games. They were 36, <laughs> Pretty 7, good. and 5. That's probably the closest. 2013, was that the year they won? Or that was, was the year it? they beat the um, – that was the, the year Lightning? they beat – Beat the Lightning. No, they beat – was it Boston? Yeah, that sounds right. Because that's when the Leafs got David Bullen. <laughs> oh, my God. That, imagine Sick. Imagine, I can't remember the fond years of the Leafs winning playoff series, but I can remember Dave Bullen getting traded. You know what's weird is the David Clarkson trade to Columbus for Nathan Horton happened like four or five years ago now. Wow. Like how that did not seem that far away. Both good, teams, on, good on Dave Nonis. Both, team, both teams have come a long way since then, too. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Leafs. <laughs> oh, I mean, what, what the Leafs did in game one was something everybody was screaming for the Leafs to do, and they finally did it, which was yeah. play a committed effort in both ends. I in all three zones. And it's it's what Jake said on the last podcast and he's he was right at the time he's right now. Boston oh, is not this How do we how we Sorry, we need sure to make a Jake is right graphic. No. No. Hope he doesn't listen to this podcast. We'll tell him we were slandering him and he'll uh, he'd still listen to it. He loves it. Um he said that Boston isn't this impenetrable fortress that everyone makes it out to be. And I said it's definitely a place where when the Bruins start going, that place is jumping and you need to score the next goal or it's going to snowball. Well, what, and was, what was the reaction as soon as Boston got that first? They were they were right back to work. And I mean, for me personally, it was like this deep exhale. Like, well, yeah, it's Boston. They're at home. They're on the power play. Bergeron scored. Marchand had the assist. Typical. Here we go again. Was the first thought. And then right after that face-off, I remember saying, just get the next one. That's all you have to do is just, they were playing well, get the next goal. Because what happened last year, they got the next goal on Boston. Uh, I forget who scored the first one for them. I'm assuming it was Pasternak. Um, But Hyman came down, scored on the rush. But then Boston scored another one to go ahead, and it just snowballed. That crowd was jumping, and it was, what, 5-6-1 the game ended? Game one last year? Uh, It was... It was, a, it was a gong show at the Second end. Second game was 7-3. Yeah. So the Leafs made sure that the game didn't snowball out of control. And I think Mike Babcock just didn't overthink it as well. you got to give credit where it's due because he coached a good game. The Leafs played a near-perfect game. It wasn't perfect. No. It's Let's right. no go game, out of here. No game is perfect. I mean, no. Frederick Harrison had to make 37 saves. Yeah. They didn't. It was. It was a perfect road game, let's say that, in the playoffs. It's the Leafs did not do everything right, but they did the right things wrong. to get the win. They did more right than wrong, which is yeah. has not been a common thread for them as of late. And, and Babcock uh, did what Leaf fans have been asking him to do since last year's playoffs. Matthews played 20 minutes. Morgan Riley led the defense in ice time. Um, the odd thing was Jake Muzzin and Nikita Zaitsev were playing against the Bergeron line, so which I, I kind of like because now that gives the other players room to maneuver. You know, you know, as much as we've, you know, really slammed Zaitsev, um, he was he was doing his best Marincin impression with the puck last night. Yeah, that was a grenade. What he did with the but puck without the great. puck without the puck he was really yeah, good. Fine, um, and that's fine as long as you're not throwing muffins into the middle of the ice, like Ala Ojaganov or Marincin were doing. Then you're fine. You don't have to be, 
You don't have to be Bobby Orr. Just don't make that big mistake that's going to cost your team a game. Yeah, and, and there could have, there were times in the game where that could have been a problem. Yep. No. I thought Muzzin played one of his best games with the Leafs last night. Um, he was physical. He got an assist on the Marner goal, the first goal of the game. Uh, he looked good. Um, Hainsey looked good. Dermott and Gardner didn't look bad. I think that was the big thing is more so than what the forwards were doing, the Leafs' defense didn't look like they were outmatched. And that's the biggest positive to take away from this game. Um, Luke Fox wrote this about the the defense last night. Um, if I can just find... Um, <laughs> find the thing. Where is it? No, Luke! Right. Don't let us down. Right. Um... um well, yeah. look, like like Gardner and Dermott did not play a lot last night. That's something. No, that's something you just don't see a lot of because I Babcock mean, didn't use his fourth line that much, and he didn't use the bottom pairing. And I think it was lot. smart because. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, why why give Boston? I mean, like that pairing has been, you know. I mean, been banged up. why why would you throw Jake Gardner and Travis Dermott out there for 18 to 20 minutes when they're both just less than five games back removed from injury for missing a month each with different injuries? There's no point. So, by the way, we should also mention that we have uh, a guest coming on today, uh, Marissa yeah. and Jemmy. Yes. I said the name right. Thank you did. Heavens. We uh, did not butcher it, and we did not butcher it in the interview. Yeah, because she made sure that we knew how yeah, to... Yeah, shout out people that screw up Marissa's name. I will fight you. Um, for some reason, natural stat check is... Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> You're having a time right now. I can see it on the screen beside me. Yeah, because... Okay. <laughs> so, Austin knows what I'm bringing up. Yeah. Um, Whew, the Bruins... Look at that Corsi. The Bruins didn't have a terrible game in terms of generating chances. They just couldn't hit the net a lot of the times. Or they just did not... Have a lot of puck luck. Charlie Coyle hit like three posts. Yeah, that's that's gonna be a problem. He nearly picked Frederick Anderson. That would have been a really nice goal. Um, the good thing is that the Leafs also can improve. I think that's the thing that I, yeah. I I think it's not like the Leafs played their best, and we even said that they haven't played their best, so we assume that they can do better. Yeah. I think that's the important part. I mean, look, the Pasternak line did very well possession wise as they usually do um if you're wondering who on the leafs did not do well possession wise um <laughs> oh gardner Jesus. gardner dermot not very well fourth line am i reading that right that's a 29 and 30 Corsi four yeah oh look at the shots for and against 12 shots against nine shots against like oh. babcock was smart not to play them that much um eight, eight to 19 Corsi for and against for Gardner. The one thing I'll say about the fourth line, they played very well without the puck. They did not have the puck law a lot. No, they were put in defensive situations, which is fine. Trevor Moore was a 36 Corsi. You wouldn't know it by how that fourth line played, but, but they're but underlying. You, but you look at the top end, okay? Oh, it's, yeah. It's more of this was a charge forward by the Matthews uh not Matthews sorry because Matthews there we go and we if you want to talk about underlying stats and I keep cutting you off but I'm there's shiny things there's shiny things on the screen here Dave you're screwing me up <laughs> those are the players we talked about that needed to play were Patrick Marlowe and Nazem Kadri and they play really you look well. at these stats Patrick Marlowe 54 Corsi good Nazem Kadri 54 Corsi good and that's at even that's at five on five yeah, that's five v five so um and Nylander did well um, do we want to bring this up? What? Austin. Yeah. Last night, William Nylander. There we go. Can you please, for the life of me, explain the... Hey, look, I understand the guy did not play well in the regular season. I understand he's getting paid a lot of money this season, but you also forget his pro rated because of when he started. His number will go down. So people who are saying, oh, he's getting played 10 plus million. It goes down. Yeah. Make it relax. As my boy Antonio from Tony Greek would say, make it a relax. I don't know if you heard him on the Jeff Flair show, if you've seen the clip. 
He was uh, phenomenal, you know. He talking about a Babcock and how he should not get a fire. Oh god! And he got the kids going, you know. Okay. Shout, shout out Travis McKenzie. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I'm sure the Blair and show really gets a kick out of uh, him. I always oh yeah. Do. Um, but Leafs fans, you you're going cheer. you're going desk piano here, Don Cherry. Um, yeah, I and mean, we're gonna be peaking a little bit, so I'm gonna lower the mics a little bit. Don Cherry had a night. You too are last night. a fan of the team. I understand you don't have to like every player on the team, but you are when you, and look, I've been guilty of being a big Nikita Zaitsev hater. Um, but Same I here. always say they need to play well because they're on the damn team. Stop whenever he does something well. Stop turning it into a negative. You sound like a bunch of whiny babies. Yeah, and I mean, it's like- ridiculous. My brother's one of them. I'm sorry, by the way, my brother. I, I'll tell it to his face too. Ah, I mean, people in the chat in our chat sometimes. I understand the issues you have with how he handled the contract stuff. Look, hey, if Mitch Marner doesn't get his contract done in an easy fashion, are the Leafs fans going to do the same thing? Oh no, no, it's Mitch. He's Canadian. He's Canadian. He does you know things that people don't like even a lot more. don't even try and tell me this has anything to do with William Nylander sitting out. It has to do with the fact that he he's Swedish and he's a crybaby and he took his ball home. Well, and not After just he that, didn't get his way. Like, you know, he doesn't play like the, you know, he's lazy and all that. Yeah. Look, hey. Shut your mouth. You know what's the funny thing? I watched Patrick Laine play for the Jets. You watch Talk Patrick, about a matter-of-fact player. Watch Patrick Laine play, and you tell me if William Nylander is a lazy player. I, I like Patrick Laine. Too. He's a fantastic goal scorer. Yep. He's a guy. Anytime the puck's on a stick, I lo- I I hold my breath. If I'm an opposing team, or in a fan, okay. He does nothing else. He glides even when he's in the offensive zone. He ain't. Mo- he's waiting for someone to get him the puck. He doesn't do the other way around. And what I saw from William Nylander on Thursday night, because this is most likely going to come out Saturday morning, because I want to. <laughs> yeah. Just FYI. Let it. Let it go. Um. What I saw from him last night, he had that dumb penalty where he high-sticked, um, I think, Colton, uh, Clifton. Clifton. Connor Clifton. Connor Clifton, who apparently is going to be the new pain in the ass for the Leafs this series. I've already uh, saw it a couple of times last night. I mean, whatever. Look, that was a dumb penalty to do that high-stick. There was no reason for it. Yes, you're trying to lift the stick. You know, in that situation, not the best because you can't see what you're doing. What did he do after that? He atoned for it. He got physical. We saw him lay a hit, and I'm like, holy crap. This is like a different Nylander. He scored the goal that pretty much sealed the deal. Like, Tavares got the empty net, which is great because you don't want to give the Bruins a chance. He he got the insurance goal. He got the insurance goal. But Nylander, when everybody was going, oh, boy, this is a little close. Just tell me for a second, and I'll let you finish. Okay. William Nylander, tell me for a second that you would much rather be defending a 2-1 lead against the Boston Bruins for... That was in the second period he scored, I would assume, right? Who, uh, Nylander. No, third. Third. Um, you, I don't remember. You uh, would rather be defending for 20 minutes or more a 2-1 lead against the Boston Bruins than give William Nylander a shred of credit. A player on the team you cheer for, give just a shred of credit for doing something. Sorry, it was the second period, you're right. For doing something other than what you want to bash him for. Just because it doesn't fit your shit narrative, you, you, you need took, to bash him. You took crap from one. I mean, I don't even. I think that's just a troll. I guy. took crap. I took. I, I'm not even going to give this. No, don't give because them I'm no, I'm not going to say their name. I don't say people's names. This person. Probably a fake account, too, by the way. I don't know. This person, I don't give any time of day. I just kill people with kindness is what I try to do on Twitter. People that hide behind usernames, they can. I people calling me out saying you're an idiot. You have no idea what you're talking about. Stop I talking got, about I got it. That too. So. You you have a stupid. You don't have an eye for hockey. You're right. I don't know what I'm talking about. I knee just... is crap. It's like, well, I've put an opinion on social media. The difference is I had the balls to put my name behind it. Yeah. 
So I don't I'm give those people the time of day. But I'm also willing to back it up if somebody's going to come after me. Yeah. With it. I'm not just going to delete it if I do not wrong. tell me that William Nylander has not been a good player this season for the first two months Look, of this, of could this he, return. Could, uh, I will say, could he be better? Yeah. A hundred percent. Has he been to the level of, guess what? I've seen bad players on the Leafs. I've seen David Clarkson get paid five and a quarter million to be a third line player. I mean, look, Nylander's technically on the third line, but Alexei Ponikarovsky was a top six player 10 years ago for the Leafs. Less than 10 years ago. Yeah. And we're complaining about Nylander? <laughs> you know what's going to be You're funny? kidding me. When people get their wish and Nylander gets traded and he does. Oh, it's going to be really the why well. couldn't we get more? Or it's going to be the why couldn't we get more? He does very well in the next city he goes to, and they're going to be like, one crowd is going to be like, oh, he just didn't want to do it in Toronto. Or they're going to be the crowd, oh, see? See what you see what happens when you let a good player go? You don't tell me the Edmonton Oilers fans. Guess what? Taylor Hall got the same scrutiny. I mean, Taylor Hall was a first overall pick. I get that. He got more scrutiny. He got traded for basically a bag – well, not a bag of pucks, but <laughs> – Basically, Taylor Hall is a oh God. What's a really good brand of stick now? Bauer. Okay, Taylor Hall is a Bauer. The Oilers got a Sherwood back. A 1988 Sherwood. The Sherwood I would use. Yeah. Or th- there's even another one. They got an Easton stick, and Easton's not even a hockey company anymore. Not even anymore. No, there's another one too that Adam I, Larson's not that bad. We're giving him a bad rap, but he's he not, is not he worth is not Taylor not Hall on his Taylor own. Taylor Hall. Yeah. Who? Went on to score 97 points. Win a heart trophy and win the Devils two draft lotteries. Suck it. Two draft lotteries and they got him into the playoffs. Yeah, just that little thing. Can I speak on Don Cherry for a sec? Because I brought this up in our group chat. He was on one last night. Uh, One, (laughs) he said Jordan Biddington was going to win the Rookie of the Year over Elias Pettersson. The only thing that Ron said, he doesn't even qualify. Like, three different occasions, Ron was like, there's no way that's happening, Don. And he was like, don't talk about it, Biddington's going to win, trust me. I watched him play for the Vaughn Kicks. That was good, yeah. Um, I think that was actually the team. Um, Probably was. Two. Let me see if I make Jordan picture. Bennington, by the way, has been phenomenal this season. There's no, there's no, no I mean, he has, but he's not been. There's been some takes is what I'm getting at. If he was playing the full season, I think it's a different story. And Elias Patterson has been unbelievable. Oh, I Go forget, on, Austin. I forget what my second point was, was for Don Cherry. Don Cherry comment. No, I remember, I forget what the other thing he said was that was ridiculous. I'm thinking of Brian Burke's thing because he said over three on three overtime should be, should have a shot clock today. Oh, and no, that was, I, I that was dumb. Um, I'll, it'll come to me in a sec, but yeah, Don Cherry said some things last night. He um, does. it's just, I don't, I don't know, but yeah, the, whatever, what were we talking about? I mean, look, <laughs> and Don Cherry has been a big Nylander hater. Yeah. He did that. have something to say about Nylander during that thing. Nothing about the goal, just about the penalty he took. Yeah, of course. And Janssen took the same type of penalty, but you know. Yeah, Janssen's another one that takes some weird penalties, like unnecessary, but Look, it is what he, it is. Players take penalties. Players have make decisions you're not going to like. Yeah. But guess what? What makes them good are the, the ways that they can make more positives out of less negatives. They're gonna, Their positives outweigh their negatives. What? Last night, I saw more positives from Nylander than negative. So stop with this character assassination, because guess what? We all saw Phil Castle go and win two Stanley Cups, but there was a lot. I mean, there, okay, granted, Phil Castle had a lot of fans in Toronto. He was a very good player. And everyone now regrets what happens there. Whew. Now, talking about Boston, we have a guest coming on. I will give, before we jump to that, okay. Don Cherry had one hell of a suit last night. That was the Marvel hell of a suit. suit. Yes. And look... Um, yeah, that was one hell of a suit. We'll just leave it at that. Yeah. Um, Shout out to Omar. He, he probably enjoyed that very much. I'm a, I'm a, hey, I'm a Marvel fan too. I'm just not a nerd about it like o- Omar. Omar's the local nerd. Yeah. Um, Love you, Omar. We, we decided, um, usually we try to get a guy like CJ on. Um, we try to get a Toronto, you know, a big name to come on. 
we Austin decided this was Austin, all awesome. Yeah. We decided to go a different route. I did a thing, guys. Austin got a guest. Uh, not a not just a guest. He got the Bruins beat writer for the Boston Herald, Marissa and Jemmy. Yes. Oh, thank God. Um, you have to take a breather there because oh I do the same thing because I don't want to screw up anyone's name. She's going to listen to this and she's going to understand the stress. We she's she's going to listen to that and be like, she's going to hear Marissa and then the pause and be like, damn it. <laughs> she's like, I told them. <laughs> no, and, and I hope uh, she takes that as me making sure I don't disrespect her name. Uh, we <laughs> Put do, some respect on it. We... We got a so she, she's gonna be at every bot. So she's gonna be coming up here to Toronto too. Yep. She follows the Bruins uh, as the beat writer for the Herald. Um, this is her first season as the Bruins uh, beat writer for the Herald. Uh, I'm gonna tell you right now, top three interview that we've had on this podcast. Yep. Uh, I think Haley because of how much in depth she went with all of the stuff we talked about. It's really hard. she gave us almost an hour of her time. Yep. Um, also, had to do both of these interviews while they were ready to file stories as well. So yeah, they so were under the first gun. First and foremost, Marissa was very generous at the time. Let's not forget she's you new know, newspaper writers have very tight deadlines. Like, look, yep. we, yeah, they have web, obviously, but they also have paper, like, you know, newspapers yep. where you go and get them delivered to your door. You get them at the coffee shop. Yep. You yep. know, those yep. still yep. around people. Um, so we, I mean, and, you know, at the same time, we didn't want to take up a lot of it we were supposed to have her on on wednesday to preview the series but we had some stuff come up might be um so we had to scrap that and do it i I was surprised she was able to do it tonight because a when you have practice you only have a certain amount of time and you know what's funny is that sometimes i feel like newspapers have a lot tighter deadlines than web because they have a specific time they're supposed to get it in for that they have to get in for publishing yeah so, um, really great that she was giving, uh, it's a fantastic interview, uh, more so because of what she said than what we asked. <laughs> yeah. It had nothing to do with our questions. Yeah. I guarantee you that she made, she, what, what's the, what's the saying she made, um, she, uh, she, she made, made us lem- look very she good. She made, uh, lemonade out of lemons or lemon out of lemonades or some lemonade. Uh, well, we, we gave her lemon. She made lemonade. Let's we're, say that. We're butchering this like George Bush did with that one speech. Right. Fool me once. Hey, but he's paid to do that. <laughs> we ain't being paid to do that. Fool me, can't get fooled again. Um. So yeah. Um. Wow, you brought in that reference from last night. Who won't get fooled again? Be who? Um. So. Oh, look at me go. So let's bring in uh, Marissa's interview. Uh, she requested this band. She didn't get a choice of the song because we didn't really <laughs> ask her. But we we chose this song. I, I said song or band, and she just said anything. Anything so, by them. So we'll uh, we'll bring that in right now and uh, enjoy, guys. So David is letting me do the introduction for this, which is um, yeah, it's playing with fire. So we'll see how it goes. Um, we talk a lot about the Maple Leafs on this podcast, almost exclusively, but um, obviously they have an opponent in this playoff series, the Boston Bruins, and we wanted to get a little bit of insight on that series. So we asked Marissa and Jemmy, Boston Bruins reporter for the Boston Herald, to come on and talk to us about everything that happened on Thursday night. Marissa, how are you doing? Good. How are you guys? I am good. Well, we're we're doing okay. Um, how's how's Boston doing today? I heard not very well. Uh, depends who you ask, I guess. There's always going to be those who jump to panic right away. That I mean, the Bruins could have won, and those people would have found reason to complain, anyways. Um, overall, though, I think most reasonable people know it's only one game, and right back at it Saturday night. It's interesting. It's um, you ask any Leafs fan, and they probably would have had the same exact reaction. Actually, many that I asked today were saying, um, "Yeah, it's great that they beat the Bruins, and you know the way it happened." But many of them are wondering: Was this more of how the Leafs played, or was this more of how the Bruins played? What was your sense just talking with the players and obviously Bruce Cassidy last night? Did you get that sense that maybe Boston felt they didn't give their best effort? Well, all week the talk's been the Bruins want to contest with Toronto's speed. And while the Bruins are fast, they're an offensive team as well, I think they got a little bit away from what they do well, which is play a fast game, but also have that physical element 
uh, be strong defensively. Their entire identity is tied into play, being tough to play against and playing defense. And last night, they or on Thursday night, they were not tough to play against. Even um, I think it was Charlie Coyle earlier today said he thought that they made it kind of easy on Toronto a bit. And that's true. That's one, probably their worst defensive effort since their 8-5 to five loss in Columbus where they actually almost came back in that game. It looked a little bit like a game against Philadelphia back in January as well when Cassidy called them out. They went on to win one nothing in Washington a couple of days later. So it was really abnormal all around the odd man rushes. They've had some shorthanded issues all year, but that came back to bite them where – if you look historically at some of those shorthanded goals they've allowed, it's been kind of some freak things that at that point that was mishandling the puck, just not treating the game with respect, which is something Cassidy has said in the past. So I think it was uncharacteristic of them, but I can't imagine them looking even half as bad as that on Saturday night. Uh, one player that we got to see last night was Jake DeBrusque. Um, I believe it was... Oh, I'm going to butcher that name. Uh, writer for The Athletic said that DeBrusque wasn't practicing today, but Cassidy said that uh, he was going to have a maintenance day. What did, did, was there any update on that, just the situation? Yeah, they just gave DeBrusque a maintenance day today. He got banged around a little bit, especially on that shorthanded breakaway where he went into the end boards and a big hit Navin Kadri had on him. So DeBrus- he definitely was hurting a bit during the game. They gave him the day off this time of year. Um, that makes a lot of sense. Just keep him healthy. He's been on with David Krejci. He's going to stay there. He doesn't need to get to reps as much as he needs to be healthy. So I, I'd imagine he'll be good to go tomorrow. Um, TD Garden, obviously one of the loudest arenas in uh, in the league when it gets going. The Bruins get a lot of energy off of that, and uh, it's not easy for a team to come back. We saw that last year uh, in the series with the Leafs when they were in the Garden. Uh, what was the atmosphere like? Um, obviously, the opening goal was big for Bergeron, but then the Leafs' response, uh, what was it like in there? Yeah, it's always kind of madness at TD Garden, uh, especially a night game, Thursday night game. I can't even imagine a Saturday night, 8 p.m. on Boston Marathon weekend, what kind of a crowd we're going to get on Saturday night. But, yeah, being a playoff atmosphere, it's always um, – I'm sure it is a tough place to play for other teams. The Bruins play well at home, but they had a good year overall. They've played well everywhere. Um, I don't think Toronto's intimidated playing in Boston. They've been here before. They've been here in the playoffs. They've won games here. So I don't think it's – I mean, I don't know. Home ice and hockey isn't like what home court in basketball is. So, yeah, there's always going to be some – I mean, you, you play for home ice advantage, right? So there's something to it. But um, I'm not sure how much – I mean, Mike Babcock had his comments as well about a fan's never gotten on the ice or anything like that. So. <laughs> Um, yeah, Bruins have home ice for a reason. It's a good atmosphere, and um, it's more to their advantage than not. Now, when we look at, um, and I, I just actually just read a piece that uh, Luke Fox of Sportsnet wrote about kind of Babcock's planning going into that game. A lot of it was to shut down the Bergeron line. Is that something that, you know, because they didn't have the night that many would expect the Bergeron line to have, that's probably the main way that the Bruins think that it can get better just because they know that you know, Bergeron, Pasternak, and Marchand can reach another level in this playoffs? Yeah, I mean, everyone has a game where it doesn't go right. That line's not going to be shut down for long. Nobody's done that all season. Uh, each one of them set career highs, and that's with Bergeron and Pasternak missing 16 games as well. Uh, and even then, like, Marchand and Bergeron was on the power play, but they still looked fine. Early on in the game, I thought their passes were pretty crisp. But, again, they just got away from their entire game, and that has a trickle-down effect. The best line on Thursday was their third line, and that kind of came out of left field a bit. But, again, those are some veteran players who came in for a reason. They have playoff experience. Um, I think for the Bruins to succeed, they need scoring depth everywhere, but they also need their top line to be their best line. And almost undoubtedly it will be later on in the series, even Saturday night. That was more an aberration than anything, and I, I don't – see much reason to be concerned. Tuukka Rask looked good um, for the majority of that game. Um, it's a question I've been just wondering for Boston perspective for a long time. What is the deal with Bruins fans and their hatred for Tuukka Rask? Because we, um, uh, the oh Leafs had him, so we would like him, or we would have liked him a long time ago, but now we have yeah, Anderson. It's, um, it's a sports talk radio-driven town, <laughs> yeah. and for whatever reason, that's become the polarizing topic. And when people get their information from that type of medium, there's always going to be some misinformation or 
just everything being sensationalized. So it's it, it's almost like the saying everybody loves a backup quarterback. You love what you don't know. And Yaroslav Halak's been good for the most part. He's been exposed when he's been when he's played too much. He's a good goalie. If he had to play a playoff game, they'd be fine. They're much better off with Tuka Rask and Nett. Um, I was saying earlier today, you'd like him to make one of those stops, sure, but this is a game where they had their worst defensive effort of the whole year. I tracked about eight on-man rushes on my own. I was trying to keep track of it. You have to break away two of your goals and on a penalty shot. The other one is um, a breakaway, and then the other one came off of a rebound that really I have trouble blaming Rask for because you don't have a defenseman to clear the guy out in front. So I don't – it's a mystery, the Bruins fans versus Tuka Rask. It really is. Um, I don't have many complaints about him. You'd like a save. He did make a save on John Tavares on a yeah, breakaway less than a minute say. later after the um, – I think it was the Nylander goal yep. so in, at the end of the second period. So – I don't know. People are always going to complain. It's an easy target because it's easy to complain about the last line of defense. It's funny that you brought up the whole uh, talk radio because I was in Boston. Uh, it was a Thursday night game for the Patriots, and it was the Bruins' <laughs> season opener against uh, the Capitals, and they lost that 7 nothing. So, I, first off, I know how the the Bruins' talk show is like because I, I listened. Yeah. To, that was the only thing I could listen to when I was in Boston on the radio there. So, I got that aspect, too. Um, the other thing I wanted to know about, especially, um, this was something I thought the Leafs didn't do enough of in last year's playoffs, and I think they're starting to do that a little more now, is the pressure on the point to get the turnover and force the odd man rushes. You brought up the Tavares breakaway. That was a play where they, they put pressure on the point. Obviously, Marner's goal, and then, I mean, Nylander's goal was different in that the stretch pass from Kadri to Nylander. Um, is that something that, you know, is is a potential weakness of the Bruins in that they allow those types of odd man rushes a little more often, or is that just something that we saw a little more last night as opposed to in the past? When their defense is going poorly, that's a lot of what it does look like. But when they're playing well, you don't see anything. Again, their entire identity, which they've really bought into, is playing a solid defensive game. And when they play well, you don't see anything like that. I mean, you look at the individual mistakes that happened last night. Charlie McAvoy struggled in the first half of the first period. Chara looked a bit slow last night at times. You have Krug and Carlo paired together. That's not my favorite pairing in the world, only because I don't think they, each of them are able to do what they do best when they're playing together. Krug is such an offensive-minded defender, and Carlo is a stay-at-home defenseman though he will shoot the puck, but he's at his best when he's playing back defensively and proves at his best when he's pushing to play up ice. They are missing some defensemen. They're missing Kevin Miller. We don't really know if he's coming back or not. John Moore, while to me he's best equipped as their seventh defenseman, he's still a more solid option than Camford or Clifton. And Connor Clifton in his first game wasn't bad. He created some momentum for the Bruins early on, and they weren't able to hold on. So I don't really think, if they, if they play well, defense won't be what, do, what does them in. And even if they play poorly, I don't think we're going to see anything like that again this series. And the other thing, too, you brought up uh, Chara and McAvoy. I mean, we know that they're kind of the, the engine that stirs that defense. Um, Chara looked visibly frustrated at times in that game. You know, uh, there was a clip that's now becoming <laughs> almost viral here in Toronto of uh, Trevor Moore knocking down uh, Chara. And yeah, then, when did that happen in the game? <laughs> like, I'm, I don't know how that got missed in, in, on the Canadian broadcast because I'm sure that would have been a big talking point because we rarely see Chara get knocked down. Um, did rarely you, see the Leafs throw a hit as well. So That too. I mean, <laughs> I think many were surprised of how physical the Leafs were in terms of throwing hits. Um, was that something that, um, I don't know if you got a chance to talk with Chara and just got that sense from that, you know, the frustration got to them or... Was this just the Leafs were you kind of had a target and in mind of what they want to do against that Bruins defense? I don't know if they were frustrated, and I don't know if Chara specifically was. I thought he just him and McAvoy didn't do a good job covering for each other last night when there were mistakes on either end. I do think, and this is something that Cassidy has expressed a little bit as well. I think they might have been taken aback by the maturity and the poise of Toronto this time around, and I think they know better now. I don't think they fully expected Toronto to come in and be ready to play, especially when down one nothing in Boston. I don't think they expected Toronto to really fight back the way they did. 
And I think they gained a lot of respect from that, and I think they'll adjust accordingly. I don't think there was much frustration from Toronto's end. I think there was some frustration that some shots weren't hitting the net. A few goals weren't going, and Coyle hit a post. Coyle had about three points blank chances from the same area. Got good looks, didn't score. Um, Danton Heinen had a chance. He didn't shoot in time. I don't think uh, Krejci missed over the net once. So I think they were frustrated about that a little bit more than the Maple Leafs, but I think they did learn their lesson. Not, I don't think they took them easy, but I think they just made things easier for Toronto than they had to. Just want to step away from the playoff series for a minute. And um, within the last week or so, I saw that you had put out a um, power ranking for the best away arenas that you had traveled to in your first season <laughs> with the Bruins beat. Um, I am, how do I put this? I enjoy food. Let's put it that way. Um, what was the best um, press box food that you had out of any of the arenas? Well, Buffalo has the best media meal two years in a row. Oh, well, they're winning at something. Sorry? I said they're winning at something. Yeah, no, I'm a big fan of Buffalo. I like it there. I have always have fun there. Yeah. Uh, Columbus does a good job in the press box. I did not get the press meal, but in the press box, they had Tim Hortons, which made me happy. Mm, yeah. Um, at the All-Star game, it was pretty great in San Jose, but that's the All-Star game, so it's an NHL event, because I could say the same about the Winter Classic. I don't know, Boston does a pretty good job, too. I'm happy with everything here. I mean, it's free food at hockey. You can't really complain about any of it. Yeah. Are you going to be traveling up here to Toronto? For the... Yes, I will be there for... I'll be at every Bruins playoff game awesome. during their entire run. Do you? Um, did anybody tell you about the uh, ice cream sandwiches after the first intermission? I've, you know, I've been to Toronto, and I, I still didn't know about that. No, we Dave and I got to cover one preseason game, and one of the Leafs writers bumped us on the shoulder when we were covering it, and he said, get up, we're going to get the ice cream sandwiches because they give them out after the first intermission. Or is, it, is ice cream sandwiches just ice cream? No, it was, uh, it was Oreo ice cream sandwiches yeah, when we were there. So, oh, keep that th- so first intermission, great. yeah, keep your eyes peeled. If you see a bunch of people get up, then there might be a stampede for the sandwiches. <laughs> um, we'll keep that in mind. Yeah, definitely. Um, on the to- not the topic of Boston, we know that you have uh, a connection with the NWHL and your work there. Um, up here in Canada, we have uh, the recent news of the CWHL folding, and you know the players really. Uh, kind of taking their own path of what they want out of you know their next league or it, whether they're going to join the NWHL. What's the sense down in the states about what's been com- happening up here? Because especially there's a couple of really good American players that were playing in the CWHL that I'm sure the NWHL would love to get uh, to play there next season. Well, I'll speak for myself, and one thing I've been a little bit surprised by the Canadian reaction has been the complete reluctance to participate in the NWHL. There are some specific individual examples. I understand that when there were a choice, but as of now, there's not a choice, so it kind of surprises me a little bit that there is that hesitation. Um, I never really had as much of an issue with two leagues as a lot of people did because I liked the leverage the players had. And now it seems like they're trying to create new leverage. So it's tough because, I mean, I've talked about women's hockey to a lot of people for a long time, and I've always held the opinion that if we are going to get one league, it wasn't going to be the CWHL, just the way the structure was. But that certainly didn't mean I fully agreed with or currently agree with everything the NWHL does either. And I think it's okay to want more. I think it's okay to say, well, the NWHL is what we have, but also we can strive for that to be better. Um it's t- this is one of the first times where, like, I really don't know what's going to happen in women's hockey. I have no idea. I always, like I said, I believed there was going to be one league. I believed the CW wouldn't be that league. But I don't think anyone thought it would happen like this or this soon or that the landscape would be what it is right now. I think after Women's Worlds, we'll have a little bit more clarity about it. I kind of wish people had respected that a little bit more because you see comments coming out of all sorts of places of evaluating what the league should do, what the players should do. The NWHL made their statements. The CW announced their intention to cease operations right before Women's World. It just feels like the players always kind of lose out in these situations, and it feels like we're headed for something like that again. And I think the the good thing you brought up, too, is that it's bringing up a talking point that, you know, the World Championship is a big thing for women's hockey, especially the players. And the last thing they want to talk about is – 
you know, the state of their leagues. They want to talk about the actual games they're playing and what they mean. So I, I think that's something that I think um, we're all some, some not all of us, but uh, people are guilty of, you know, trying to get those stories out there a little more. Um, I know one person that been very vocal about getting one league together, and that's been uh, Cassie Campbell. She's been a big supporter of women's hockey, and she's talked about how she'd like to see one league. Uh, I think even she called it the uh, WNHL. Um, and we know that Gary Bettman had made those comments um, on primetime sports up here in Canada about the league not really wanting to, you know, get in the business of, you know, get, getting their hands dirty in that regard. They'll support the league by, you know, they gave the uh, an increase in the funding for the NWHL. Do you think either the NHL, who do you think has to be the, the party to kind of resolve this friction is it the players is it the nhl like where do you see that coming from uh such and it's such a nuanced thing so for years and years there was one league and with the cwhl and there was nearly no momentum the nhl had every opportunity to step in they've owned the wnhl trademark since the 90s and before the cwhl existed so if they had any genuine interest in growing women's hockey or supporting it They've had every opportunity in the world to do so. The NWHL came along and they started paying players. They gave respect to American players. They listened to some of their issues. And agree or disagree with the model or the way they've handled some things, they essentially put a lot of women's hockey on the radar. And that forced the NHL to have to respond to questions and to pay attention. So it's really the work of those women that have brought it along without any support um, in going against what a lot of people have said, um, a lot of people don't believe in women's hockey succeeding, and the NWHLs come along, and the CWHLs responded in kind by paying their players before the latest chapter here. So really, those women built it up to be something, and if the NHL isn't interested in that, or they're only interested in it for their own profit margins, or just to have a controlling interest, they've had every opportunity to make women's hockey succeed. They have the resources they could have done to step in now that it's created its own success on its own without the NHL doesn't feel genuine to me and I don't think it's the answer now the players know what they want and I fully believe that the labor of any league should be the ones in control of what happens to them so if that's what they want and they have reason to trust the NHL I'm going to put my trust in the players before however I feel about it but at the same time it really doesn't feel like the solution is having someone like Gary Bettman and the NHL office that has doesn't believe in women's hockey, because if they did, they would have done something about it by now. We know you have to uh, get going so you can file a story. I did have one question and I would be remiss if I didn't ask you a lacrosse question on here. Cause we don't <laughs> get to talk about the NLL a lot. He uh, bugs me about this all the time. Yeah. Uh, Anyway, um, if you had to pick a uh, finals prediction for the NLL Cup this year, what would it be? Oh, my, catching me off guard. I haven't been yeah. covering like, the NLL awesome. this year. Um, we are on a Toronto podcast, by the way, so if you need any subtle suggestion. <laughs> well, I know <laughs> Toronto is playing the Black Wolves this week, my New England Black Wolves, I guess. Oh, um, okay. Wow. <laughs> Um, I've been really impressed with what San Diego's done as an expansion team. I mean, I think at least you look at their roster on paper and you could have thought they're going to be pretty good this year. I think they have been. I never overlook uh, Saskatchewan. I know they're not having the year that they've had previously, but it's tough to overlook a team that's kept its core together like that. You don't see that in pro lacrosse. I like what those two teams have done. And Georgia is just so dynamic offensively. They create so much. Um, and I know Buffalo too. I've been see- I I went to one Buffalo Bandits game earlier in this year, and I meant to like keep up on them kind yeah. of, and I haven't. They're, but I know uh, they're having they're... a surprisingly good year. But if I were going to pick an NLL final right now, I think I would go with Georgia and Saskatchewan. All right, I like it. I got to see um yeah Buffalo and Georgia are probably going to be the two teams in the East, and then for any of you that don't cover lacrosse, the Saskatchewan Rush are pretty good. They're uh, won championships three of the last four years. So yeah. Um. Yeah, it's a good prediction. I like that. <laughs> well, you're somebody who definitely keeps herself busy and not just uh, yeah one area. So it's very impressive in that regard. 
with that being appreciate said, that. yeah with that being said this was uh this was great i, I appreciate you uh coming on um maybe we can try to get in touch when you're in toronto we definitely owe you at least a drink or i mean austin <laughs> doesn't drink but we'll, we'll, a coffee or something we'll we'll keep it uh, i'll have a water you guys can drink <laughs> well we'll definitely have to owe you one uh don't let me spoil the fun when we, when we get a chance so we appreciate you uh coming on yeah definitely really appreciate you thinking of me all right, well, thank you, and uh, enjoy the rest of your uh, rest of the playoffs. Thank you, you as well. Thanks, Marissa. As I said, a very fantastic interview. Um, first off, the, how, what she what she knows about the Bruins, this is a person who knows all the storylines around the Bruins, what's going on. Um, I found that everything that she said made sense. Nothing I could say, uh, I don't think so. Like, everything was like, yeah, as, as much as we'd like it to be a rivalry, as reporters are very, very kind to each other. Yeah, so. no, we we I, we we love it's having. Funny. I think there's more rivalries between the local, like your own. Yeah, co- like you're between... competing against each other rather than national media. Where, but, but when you're... you're talking about another city, it's like, well, you're co- you're not trying to get coverage from me or whatever. So, um, it was very, very insightful. Her stuff about women's hockey, you can tell when somebody's had to a talk a lot about women's hockey. And knows her stuff. Like the the great thing she said is she's known this well before. Like this is a person who's been following this for years. Yep. You can tell this isn't a person who just oh uh, yeah I, I I know about this and that. No, she can go way back. Yep. Way back when and she brought it up. There was only one league. Yep. And then like, that's how it is. And then they made two leagues. The NWHL is doing great right now. I don't know what's going to happen doing with okay. that. Okay, it's doing. It, there's a couple marks that are doing really well. Yeah, and a couple Buffalo Buttes are doing really well. Yeah, they're like the best market in. Shannon Zabados, uh, I believe, led the entire NWHL in jersey sales or merch sales. Of course, she's a star. So she's a star. good for her. I mean, that's that's fantastic. And oh. she's like she's like the goalie version of Haley Wickenheiser. She played in men's professionals. She played. Uh, she's done everything. Overseas, she just needs to get. She's played in different leagues. Oh yeah, she's, she's only done. she's. I think she's still under thirty as well. Well, I she mean, seems like she's I, been I, around. You find, you find women. Women's hockey players tend to retire earlier, a because. But it se- she seems like one of those people. Like I remember seeing her at the 2010 games, and that was probably the first thing. And then you see her in 2014, and now up to here, and you're thinking, "Wow, she's she must have been around for a while." She's like probably just because of I have no idea like how to th- keep time thought, of things. You thought yeah, she's past 30. She's going to be retiring, and she's like 28. She's got a whole lot of hockey ahead of her. She's yeah, she's only what six years older than I am. <laughs> That's ridiculous. And I was watching her at the Olympics in 2010, and she was she dominated. Yeah. Anyhow, she's awesome. Is yeah, what I'm getting exactly. at. Exactly. And um, you know the, the the women's hockey stuff was really informative. What I think uh, what I'll take away about what she said about the Bruins, you get the sense. And if you're a Leafs fan, you better be careful. Like we better <laughs> not, we'll be don't careful. go in with blind confidence tomorrow. Yeah, like the Bruins are not a team that are just gonna be like, yeah, we lost game, we we're just not gonna. No, they're gonna they're gonna come out. That first, those first ten minutes in Boston, you better weather the storm because they're flying for sure. Um, There's no other way to go about it. Boston's coming out off. flying. They're pissed off. Yep, and they're gonna come and play Boston hockey. And you, you listen to her talk about how you know this didn't go right, and you know it, it, it doesn't happen that often. No. And now look against the against the Lightning, they crushed the Lightning the first game last year, and then it was yeah. downhill from there. Yeah, uh, the Leafs didn't crush the Bruins, so maybe that'll give them the edge in that they know that they can. They have to do better, yeah, uh, in order to make sure that Boston doesn't uh, reach a new level. That was, yeah, that's that's the main thing I got from the interview is that she knows that you know this team is going not going to go not going to roll over. Yep. Um, game two. Yeah, as we said, it's going to be one that it's going to be a very. I think this is going to be goals are going to be really hard to come by in this one. It's going to be a grind. Either that or it's going to be a goal of Palooza. <laughs> One either, of the two. It's not going to be like, no, it's going to be, because like it could have been a goal of Palooza last night. It's going to be either on, a track meet or a one-goal game. I actually think, uh, personally, one thing you should watch out for if you're a Leafs fan, I think Austin Matthews is going to, like, you saw in the second half of that game that he was like, he yeah. Should have, he should have had a goal. He hit the post just. He should have had at least one or two. Sorry, I'm yep. playing with something. Um, Stop it. I think he's a guy that could help the Leafs weather that storm. Yeah. 
Um, Babcock, we talked about it playing out the Muzzin and Zaitsev pairing. Let's see if Lightning strikes twice. The good thing is, is that if they don't do well, they can try. I mean, but look, they don't have the choice in the matchup. They can try to get Riley Hainsey out. Um, yep. That's an option they have. You can throw out more Gardner Dermott if you think that they can handle it now that they've gone that first game under. And that I just want Babcock to stick to the system. What he did, instead of trying to be too cute with his lines, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Instead of trying to do too much and yeah. outthink Bruce Cassidy, because that's what he tried to do last year, and it didn't work. Well, he did know the thing is he didn't do any really. Uh, the only thing he shuffled was that not, Nylander yeah. went up with Matthews for a little bit. That's fine because you yeah. know that they, they can do that. And you're you're riding your top guys. The fourth line came out and did their job in the first game. You go out, you skate the other team into the ground, you they get a good cycle. That. They did that. I think what the Leafs need to do a better job is sustaining pressure in Boston zone. Like, that first yep. goal was perfect. They did a perfect job of that. They didn't do it as much. Because, look, they scored two on a penalty shot and short and uh, a breakaway. And the breakaway. Yeah. And an empty net. Uh, and an empty net. Like, if you really think about that, that's a mistake or two that Boston is going to correct. Yep. You have to make up for it in a different way. So, I think better. They didn't. They did a okay job of cycling. They could do better. I think the captain and Matthews and the Johnson line were okay with that. And the, yeah, not bad. Kapanen I, was also... I think what's going to also playing. help is if they don't turn the puck over as much with the stretch passes. You yeah. were having a little problem with the stretch passes. Oh, well, I don't have a problem with the stretch pass. Well, when, when, they, when they work. Yes, when it works. What I don't like is a couple times in that game, the Leafs would just go D to D, both of them standing still, and then just rifle a pass to the guy standing past the red line. Yeah. With the Bruins already set in a four check. You, you have to you have to get your feet moving. Yeah. There's no way around it. Boston need you need and look, Boston we found no, we found out the Leafs can skate better than Boston. They're can. they're faster than Boston. They're faster and Boston just can't keep up. And they now, need they need Boston to remember is, that. Boston is not slow. No. It's just they don't some of them don't some of the players don't have that gear that a majority of the Leafs players have. Janssen can fly cabinet can fly Neilander can fly marner can fly uh more can just yeah. go now i will say that some of those posts missed opportunities by the bruins aren't gonna miss yeah as often <laughs> you won't get those breaks all series charlie cole could have had a game last he night he should have had two goals bergeron could have had a more than one there was, there was a goal on the back door that some one of the defenders just cleared off the line at one so point. So if you're the Leafs, make it a little easier on Freddie in that don't give up. Don't turn the puck over in those quick you know, turnaround opportunities because they will. I mean, I those are flashbacks from the last time where you make a mistake, it turns quickly into a goal. Like the Bruins are quick. They don't, they don't, give, you a, they don't give you a chance to breathe when you turn the puck over. So that's something they have to really watch out for. Yeah, and I mean, I don't want to say go in knowing you're going to lose. It's not what I'm trying to say at all, but go in loose into this game because if you're too worried about coming out of Boston with two games, you're going to lose. You've taken home ice advantage away from Boston, and that was the most important thing. They didn't take. They were down two nothing coming back to Toronto last year. Yeah, so, and they've already done better. Yeah, they're they're already ahead. It's more of can you stay ahead rather than fall behind? You don't want yeah. to fall behind. Play a good game. If you lose, you lose. But play a game that's going to give you um, confidence going into game game three and four at home. And that's the big thing is they did not play well enough last time to warrant to say, "Oh, we we know we like we were we played well. It's fine." No, last time you didn't play well, so it's not fine. So now yeah. you need to do the, something. The last two games last year, they came back. They got pounded in game one and two by Boston, and they had one of their best centers out for the half the series. So there you go. So You're already ahead. This is something the least we'll have to look forward to. Um, we're going to end it there uh, because I don't want to go over time. Thank you, Marissa, for coming on. If you listen to the whole podcast, Marissa, thank you very much. Um, but thank you again for coming on. Guys, thank you for listening. Um, listen to some of the things we said about Nylander, okay? Uh, some of you that are not big fans of his and uh we'll most likely depending on scheduling we won't probably do one after game two just because we want to enjoy our sunday a little there bit. is there's way too much um, hockey so to we'll, be doing a we'll podcast probably after. save it until after at least game three or four 
Yeah, most likely game four because then that will help set up with. We'll know where uh, we're at. We're know where we're at. Good in in a good time. So thank you guys again. Follow us on uh, on social media with uh, Twitter, Facebook. Grab us on your podcast catcher, Spreaker dot com. S p r e a s p r e a k e r dot com. Because I don't know how to spell. Um, that's where you can get our podcast. Thank you, fan sided as usual. I usually don't say thank you enough, but we get to do this and uh, it makes it a lot more fun. So thank you again.